Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Ireland Creates, a new podcast about Ireland's vibrant culture of storytelling. I'm your host, Ashling O'Rourke. I'm a journalist, photographer, and I teach people how to share their story. Before we speak about today's guest, I'd like to take a moment to thank you all for the support since I launched Ireland Creates at the start of this month. I also want to thank our listeners from Ireland and as far afield as the United States and Australia for tuning in. Please do subscribe if you are on Apple Podcasts or you can follow if you're on Spotify, but Ireland Creates is on all the usual podcast platforms. As always, please do give the podcast a few stars and even write a review if you're in Apple Podcast. It really does help to get the word out there about this passion project of mine. And now on to today's guest, and she's a Kerry woman who has made the burn in County Clare her home. I first met Kay Maz when we were both in residency at the Tyrone Guthrie Centre in County Monaghan and was immediately struck by her raw talent. And as with all my guests on this podcast, due to the current pandemic, we recorded this chat remotely over the internet. Kay Mass, and the title that I would go by is um, Painter. So Kay, welcome to Ireland Creates. Thank you very much for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to me today. Um, and we should let listeners know that we are practising social distancing. We have, um, I'm in Offaly, uh, Kay is in the burn. Kay, let's start at the very beginning. You, you're now a professional painter, that is your day job, but where did this creativity come from, this, this love of making art? I suppose it's, it's in my childhood. I can remember one of the first memories was my mother um, asking her how to draw a person's head. Um, must have been four, four and a half. And she's explaining it and showing me. And... Uh, uh, my love of drawing started there. Um, maybe for her, it was a way of keeping me quiet, you know, um, other children around. But there, my love of drawing um, started and my interest have, have grown. Um, and, but it took me a long time to become a professional working artist. Um, was creativity something that everybody in the house practised? Was it part of your day-to-day life? No, I wouldn't wouldn't say so, but I would say that my the background of my family would be the very good hands um, and uh, an interest in making items. I mean, if I look back to Christmas time, I would make her own crib every year, and uh, that we were part of that. So there was some level of creativity there. I think from both sides of the parents. But as to art college or painting, no. I just think it was more of a, just a creative nature that was instilled in us from the both parents. So you said there that it took quite a time for you to become a professional artist. So take us back to the start of that journey you know it'd be quite common now for young people to maybe say perhaps do the leaving cert and then go on to um, an art college to do a, a portfolio course before maybe you know studying fine art or whatever it might be what was the the path that you took 
Well, initially, um, when I did my leave insert, the hope was to go to our college. Believe it or not, I was interested in fashion design at that stage. I think most young girls are. Um, but it took longer because, you know, um, I ended up getting a job, going, you know, doing various careers, and um, it would take until I moved to Clare, actually, to um, before actually the opportunity um, became available for me to actually read, you know, uh, go back and look at this creative side that I had probably in a sense parked on the shelf for maybe about maybe 10, 15, 20 years. And I was fortunate that when we moved to Clare, I happened to start our class was was a neighbor who was um, and had suggested to me and I thought yeah you know I'd like you know I've always been good at drawing but I'd like to paint and from there then it kind of snowballed the next step was to do a FITEC course um, in Ennis Diamond um, and that was just I think chance that I happened to see that there was a course available there that allowed adults or anybody of any age to go back and maybe do something that they had hoped to do but because of life had got in the way um, hadn't managed it so I think the next step would have been the FETEG course uh, in Ennis Diamond. So now for people who aren't familiar what what is a FETEG course? A FETEG course is, uh, is a further education training award certificate and it, they come in various um, modules um, for art it was from sculpting to painting to drawing but there's also FITEC courses for anyone um, doing want to do other subject matter like accountancy bookkeeping and stuff like that so it's a further education training certificate award now, I don't think they actually exist under that title anymore. I think it's been developed. But I'm not quite sure what it's called now. So nowadays it will be under uh, QQI. So people might be familiar with um, like a level five or a level six QQI That's award. That's it. it would have been a level five. Yeah. Um, and it was through this and through uh, Siobhan Cooey, who was the course coordinator, um, painter herself, she encouraged many of us to continue on once we had completed the course um, and to you know look to see to go back to um, some people to go back to college or for me for the first time to go to college um, and she encouraged us I mean she was a very enthusiastic um, painter and a lover of art and as to her um, I ended up going to, to Paris um, and seeing all the great artists in Paris because she would take us on adventures, you know, even, I remember the first exhibition that I saw as part of the FITEC was Nico D um, in Glore in Ennis. So um, it was, it was a, unique, a unique time and it was, it was lovely because there wasn't as much pressure as there would have been in a college environment and um, it would have been a foundation course 
kind of considered like a foundation course, but you had more time to, at that stage, work on each module. So you, you got a great understanding um, for each module. And the one that led me there was painting. So um, I really fell in love with it. And it was true, Siobhan's encouragement that I applied for a part-time course at um, GMIT. Um, and uh, this course then was one day a week. Um, and it would be over six years before you would come out with your degree um, in art. And I think, actually, when I think of it, there was a certain innocence, you know, when we signed up to do this course. Um, you know, uh, six years is a long time. It is. I'm just thinking that it's a major commitment. I don't actually think we realised what we were committing to until probably halfway through it. But... Um, it was good th in the sense that it allowed people um, who couldn't do it full-time to um, attend this course. Unfortunately, it's discontinued, as far as I know, in Galway at the time. Uh, I think it still runs in GMIT in Castlebar. Um, but uh, unfortunately, uh, it ended, I think, maybe two, two, three years ago, which is a pity because for me, going back full-time was not an option. And to be able to do it this way, you know, allowed me um, time to, um, to work on myself and to understand what, you know, a painter did but, and what it was like to go to our college. So it was, it was a big adventure and it was a kind of a step up from doing the Tech course. You have a particularly distinctive style of painting. Can you talk to me about how that developed? I was kind of thinking about that this morning, and it came after I left college. Um, I think probably for the first six months after I've left college, I ended up playing with paint and, you know, pursuing different techniques, different subject matters, um, kind of having a conversation with paint myself, trying to figure out, now that I was a gra graduate, where do I go from here and what interests me? Um, some people probably figured that out in college. I always think I'm a bit of a slow burner when it comes to things like this. Um, and it, it, you know, I was left alone to play with paint in the sense of brush strokes, techniques. Um, I, there was a certain artist that at the time I started to look at and they seemed to kind of give me a kind of direction as well. Um, but really I suppose it was all that, all the years of college and the fee tech suddenly came to together after I graduated and my own distinct, I suppose, style came true. Um, I think, um, you know, a lot of it was trial and error because my subject matter would have varied at the start. But then out of that emerged a kind of more minimalistic style, maybe reductive style of painting. Um, I know that my earlier works um, started to um, be infected, uh, in, in, infected by the environment 
around me. And in particular, where we live, um, there had been a lot of flooding over the years. And suddenly it started coming to my work. Um, and I think there's always been a thread of the environment in all the paintings that I do. Um, and one of my first paintings um, that I did was actually selected uh, for the RHA annual in 2016, I think. And I was absolutely blown away that it had been, you know, shortlisted to get into the RHA annual exhibition. Um, and humbled as well, uh, because it was a painting of flooding in our local area. Uh, I think it was titled Lakefield, which is actually the area that it's called. So I think from th those early months after graduation, I started probably to come into my own as a painter. You said that in college, you had to learn, you know, what it is that a painter does, you know, um, what the role of a painter is. And I think for a lot of us, we might go to a gallery and we admire the paintings. You know, if we spend a minute at each painting in an exhibition, you'd kind of be lucky. But oftentimes, and I suppose what makes me tick is trying to figure out the process behind it and what story it is that you're trying to tell. But it, it's not obvi always obvious to somebody looking at a painting that um, there is a story behind it, that there is more to it than just, um, well, you went out and you saw flooded fields and decided to, to, to paint about it. But, yeah, that's a very good question. And, you know, um, I think there was key points. Um, I remember actually Dermot Delargy saying to us, it comes from down here. What he was meaning was it's a guttural response. And I would think a lot of my paintings, you know, would be very guttural. It would be a reaction. How I would work would be, you know, in the last couple of years I've managed to define this because you, you know, part of being an artist is you're progressively developing. And within college, you know, uh, you're looking at everything and every artist, like, uh, you know, some of my sketchbooks are amazing, the names that are on it. Um, but it's, you know, you're com continuously challenging yourself. And to me, that's very important. I don't want to stay at one level. I continually push myself. And that guttural feeling is very important to me when I create work. My process um, is is a kind of a tough one, I'm quite tough on myself. I could spend eight to 10 hours on a painting and if the painting isn't working, I will wipe the painting and I will just leave it. And I'll come back to it maybe later, something else might come, different painting altogether. And I used to beat myself up about this, but I've now learned that on one level, there's part of me realizing that I'm not ready to bring that painting to the fore. Um, and it will take, uh, you know, it could take another year before I actually turn around and make that painting. It's in me somewhere. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, it's in me somewhere, but it's not ready. I'm not ready to bring it to that level. So that guttural thing that we spoke, that I spoke about, that that's one of the things I've learned in college. This, one of the other things I learned in college, to be an artist, you need to be out there looking at other people's work as well. Um, not necessarily like to to adopt it or copy it or anything, but 
to look at the way they have worked, mm -hmm. you know, their, their style of painting. For me, it's not just painting. One of the artists that I liked in college was Anna Men Mendieta, and she was, um, she was an artist that did installations and used her body, and it was in relation to the land. Um, so, you know, and Sarah Lucas, you know, um, she's, you know, even though I paint landscapes, she was somebody that inspired me because it's, I think sometimes when you actually stand in front of a painting and it's one that you like, it usually is the honesty of the artist is coming true, uh, be it an installation, be it a painting, a sculpture, and they've hit a level and that you kind of, there's something within it that talks to you. And I suppose that's my hope as a painter, that when somebody stands in front of my painting, they can connect to it on a level. It might necessarily be the level that I was doing when I was painting it, but something within my work speaks to them. And I think for me, this is, you know, that's a satisfaction as a painter. I think it's really interesting that you say that you know, in order to improve that you have to look at the work of others. It's um, it's actually something that I would tell my own students as well. It, it brings to mind, I had an email from an excellent student who's graduating this year in the college that I teach in, um, in radio. And she was asking me, you know, how do I improve my, my script writing for, um, she, she wants to be a sports broadcaster. And I thought, I said, you have to read and read, you know, um, things that might not necessarily be what you want to do, but you have to read good quality writing. So would that be something that you might say to somebody who aspires to be a painter, that, you, that, that you're very careful about what you look at, that you're looking at something of a certain, a certain quality so that you can aspire to, to one day reach that level? Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I look at, I, 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 uh, look at um, poems by Seamus Heaney, Mayo Angelou comes into me, um, my mind, Mary Oliver. So it's not necessarily looking always at paintings or exhibitions in relation to artwork. You also want to fill the other side of you. And I think, you know, when you're in our college um, or any college and you, you're given these essays to write and you go, why am I given these essays to write? It's to open you up, as you, you know, to open you up to other avenues of creativity outside of your own and to read, um, you know, good work. Um, one of my favourite poems is uh, it's a poem by Seamus Heaney. It's called The Peninsula. And, you know, just sitting down reading that and I always take from that poem the word recall and he's recalling his journey as he's going back and he's asking you to do that um, and that's what I do so yeah I would agree that you need to and be open I suppose if, if I had a student in front of me be open go to exhibitions go to exhibitions that go you know that are necessarily about your own uh, medium in my case, painting, go and expand your knowledge by looking and listening. You're constantly learning. And I think you probably would agree with me. We want to continue to um, push ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, and bring more knowledge into ourselves. And that influences our work in turn. And you said there about, you know, you mentioned honesty. I think it's something that 
we're talking more and more about now you know I don't know is it the the phase we're going through with social media or are we looking at you know the the the, the media in general that we follow but honesty and and putting yourself out there in an honest fashion really does seem to be ringing a chord with people how do you do that in painting (laughs) it's hard it's it's not easy I was trying to somebody was saying to me how do you know when a painting is finished and I couldn't answer the question but I happened to go back to Shamsini and I happened to watch a video where he was talking and he said, somebody asked him how did he know was when a poem was finished and he just said, you know when it's not and it's the same with painting, it's an honesty to yourself, you know um, like what you do there's a lot of time where you're in solitude and you're on your own and you have to be honest to yourself in what direction you're going and you can see, I believe you can see it in a painting um, and you can see it in work, and I think maybe that maybe distinguishes some work from others. Um, and honesty at the moment, I suppose, in the world that we live in, yeah, it's it's important um, that uh, you know it's there. Uh, I, I mean, I could go off and do paintings of works um, of, of places, but if they didn't interest me, I could feel that that honesty wouldn't be in my work and I suppose that's where I you know would understand honesty to come from I hope that answers that question for you it does fabulously um now you I spoke to put and maybe it's a, a crude way of putting it but your paintings they're landscape paintings they're about the environment as you've said so how much of I suppose, how much of the physical environment and how much of you goes into each of your paintings when you're building that that story on the canvas? Quite a lot. It's a good question. It's, it's exhausting. Um, I read somewhere that there's... Um, you achieve a kind of, kind of satisfaction. It's like a trainer. It's like a, a runner. And they, you know, when they're training, they hit, it's like an endorphin release, they hit it. And I think that happens also as a painter. You know, you're working and you're working and you can feel something's coming. And a one stroke can destroy the painting for me, or one stroke can bring it. But you know when you've hit it, you know, and there's that kind of endorphin release. You go, yes, I've, I've nailed it. Um, the way I would work is when I'm actually out in the landscape um, in the environment I don't really sketch that much I might take a couple of photographs whether it be a camera or whether it be a phone which is fantastic to have nowadays um, well I want to be in the landscape I want to kind of get a sense of the landscape that's important to me um, and the photos that I've taken they really are like props that will help me once I'm back in the studio um, because it's once when I'm back in the stu- studio in the solita- solitude of the studio because painting is it's quite a lonely craft in a way that I'm trying to conjure up that sense that I felt whether it be in relation to environment or maybe just the beauty of the landscape I mean beauty 
as a word has been kind of disregarded a lot in recent times. What's what's wrong creating a beautiful work? I don't see anything wrong with it. And if you can bring that beauty to a painting that in turn comes into and sits in somebody's house, I think it's wonderful to have. Even if the, the painting was created out of a negative environment. Um, so once back in the studio, there are the props, but I also try to research the area that I've been into. Um, so that if there's any history of that piece of land, maybe name of a field or something, um, that I have a background, not only to when I stood there, but a historical, maybe cultural reference. And all of that kind of combines um, when I'm painting. I never know where a painting is going to go, but I try to follow the painting as much as I can, the, the movement of paint. And again, that comes back to the honesty of, of the work for me. Um, so yeah, um, it is a lot. I put my heart and soul into the works and it's sometimes it's really hard. Um, when you say goodbye to the works, it's like a little piece of you is leaving the studio. Um, so yeah, so it, it is, it's, it's, it's a tough environment, but it's such a, satisfac a satisfactory environment as well at the same time. Now, when I asked you to introduce yourself at the start of this, you described yourself as a painter. And I should say, you are a very highly regarded painter and you've won an awful lot of, of accolades. And, and we met when you received a, a bursary to attend to go on residency to the Tyrone Guthrie Centre in County Monaghan. One of, if I may say so, one of the most beautiful places I've ever had the experience or pleasure of staying at um, and working in. How much of that, um, you know, those experiences, the, the, the travel, I believe you were in Iceland as well, how much does that influence your work? Oh, it's, it's amazing. Um, you know, my first residency was um, in Kilorillig, in Balnishgelegs, and I was really nervous. I, it was my first time applying, would you believe it, for um, or not residency. So I was actually blown away that I got it. I was like, I can't believe somebody's actually seen something in my work. Um, and it was amazing, you know. Um, I fell in love with, I, even though I'm from Kerry, I would be North Kerry, so I fell absolutely in love with this location and it, it spoke to me. And so the, the residencies like Kilrillic, and then Tyrone Guthrie was amazing. It was a completely different uh, residency, whereas in, in Kerry and Kilrilly, it, it could be as solitary as you wanted it to be. Um, but in Tyrone Guthrie, which at the start I was a bit daunted, a bit nervous about, was that you would have to come together as a group um, for evening meal. And um, I was a bit nervous about this, you know, but actually I found it very rewarding. And we and you and me had great conversations um, along with everyone else at that table. Um, and it was great because as a painter, 
you have a tendency to just keep painting. So I have to make a cut-off time to get ready to um, come for the meals. And at, start, at the start, I was a little, oh my gosh, you know, I'm really in the flow here. But actually, it was better because sometimes we'd go for a walk after a meal. And we were there around this time, um, early June, and mm. long evenings, fantastic setting for me. And it was not just the setting of the Tyrone Guthrie, but the people that were there and the stories they told me about Tyrone Guthrie that influenced the work. I remember in particular you told me the story of the seven swans um, that, you know, went around the lake. And that, it, that influenced one of my biggest paintings from there. Um, and it, for me, it was, it was one of my highs. You know, I had to work up to get to that as a painter. Um, but there was actually seven swans in that painting. And that came not only from the setting of the Tyrone Godfrey, the landscape and the trees, but it came from another artist of a different discipline. And I think that's the wonderful thing about being awarded residencies um, is that it takes you out of your comfort zone and gives you something new. And for me, I've realized at this stage not to force myself. I think that was the one thing I was kind of putting myself under pressure at the Tyrone Guthrie to get finished works before I left. Whereas by the time I had come to uh, October, where I was in Achel for the, the residency there, I realized that it was more important to be out in the landscape, absorbing it, um, and taking that memory home and taking that memory back to my studio. Um, even though I did create about six or seven uh, paintings while I was there, it was actually I'd learned from me as an artist, I need to absorb where I am. So I think every residency is a learning curve and each setting gives you gifts of all sorts. Um, and yes, Iceland was just amazing. I was absolutely blown away, as I am with any of the awards I get, because, you know, sometimes you apply for these and, you know, you, you, you just say, oh, well, I won't get this, but, you know, it's a good, and I would encourage, actually, on that note, anyone that's graduating to just keep applying for the residencies, even if you get rejection or awards, if you get rejection, because, when you apply for these, you actually have to talk about yourself and talk about your practice, whatever discipline, whatever mm. medium you use. And you learn more about your practice and yourself um, when you're applying for these. So it's a good practice to get into, to just keep applying, accept the rejection. Somebody else got it this year. Maybe you'll get it next year or 10 years time. But each time you do it, you learn more about you. So they are the advantages of being awarded um, these, you know, exhibitions, these residencies, stuff like that. You just have to um, to value what you've been given. And I think as well, like it's not, you know, it, it's not necessarily a reflection, a personal reflection on you or your work. If you do get rejected, you know. A lot of the time it's because, you know, the cap has been reached on numbers that particular year, even though it might only be February or, you know, 
or that say the person that got it ahead of you has applied two or three times previously and the people you know looking at the applications feel well you know they, they've clearly improved over the years we really do owe it to them to give them a chance this time around so uh, you know I, I'd agree with you that it is important to keep applying regardless of how many rejections there might exactly. be exactly and you know it's it's not a reflection on you and it's n and they're not saying um, that you know that your work isn't good enough May from Orani uh, from the Bowie Art Centre through Glore gave us a talk a couple of us artists a talk thanks to Glore and one of the things she said is that maybe if, say if they're putting an exhibition together and you think that your work is spot on for the title of this exhibition it might not be that it might be how everyone's work fits together they're not saying that your work isn't good um, and as you said it, there's a cap reached you just can't take it personally you know and y you're painting for I, I'm, I talk from a painter for me it shouldn't always be about awards mm -hmm. your work is very personal it has to speak to you before it speaks to anyone else and you have to stand over your work and you have to take the good with the bad um, and just, you know, just remember why you're doing this. You're doing it because you love it, you know, and that's at the core, I think, of all of our creativity. Um, if you reflect on all the people that were in the Tyrone Guthrie um, house with us, they did it because they had an urge, they had a desire and they had a love. And at the end of the day, that's what creative souls are about. You know, it's just in us, we want to do this. So never, never beat yourself up that you didn't get it. I mean, I have a folder full of rejections, absolute tons of them. And I just go, okay, well, didn't get it this year. I'll try again next year. And maybe 20 years time, I could be applying for the same um, exhibition, um, residency or award, but you know, don't give up. Believe in yourself, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say. So I know we've talked a lot about the the work that goes into your paintings and 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 how you've you've gotten to where you are now. But just I suppose for a, a final question, if I were to ask you what does it mean to you know, what does storytelling mean to you or what does story mean to you, um, what would you like to say? Well, I suppose um, there's a small narrative behind each painting. Um, you know, maybe it's been inspired by a moment in time, maybe childhood memory, maybe an art environmental influence, maybe just by the beauty of the spot that I'm in. I suppose one thing that I never considered until recently, I grew up in the stole, outside the stole, and I would have been surrounded um, as a teenager um, by the likes of John B. Keane, his brother Eamon Keane, um, and so many writers, and the Listowel Writers Festival. So it's kind of now I kind of reflect and think, yeah, my paintings are storytelling. And, you know, it's the nature of my background has, you know, has influenced me even though I didn't realize it. I mean, I think when we were teenagers in Listow, we took for granted all these these writers like John B. Keane, Morris Welsh, and so many more that 
you know, we were like, yeah, yeah, I know him, no big deal. Um, because they were just normal people to us. Um, and I would always hope that I feel like as a painter, a normal person as well. Um, so, yeah, there is storytelling um, within my work. Sometimes people can see it, and sometimes people can't. I suppose one of the, I suppose, ideas that we learned um, in college was that everybody brings their own baggage when they're standing in front of your painting. And that's something that you've no control on. Some people will connect with your work and some people won't. Some people will see the story and understand it. And some people will just um, see the, the story of the paint. So I suppose there's two sides. You know, there's the story of paint, how I develop, how I grow as an artist. Mm -hmm. And then there's the story of where this actual painting came from. So I suppose there's two halves. But there is definitely storytelling going on in my work. I hope that answers that question, Ashley. It definitely does, Kay. So, Kay, if uh, people would like to find out more about you, where can they find you? I have a website, and if you just put Kay Mass in, you should be directed to the website. And you're on Instagram as well, aren't you? I'm on Instagram as well. I'm not on Facebook. Instagram and a website is what I really do. Um, and hopefully, um, come November, uh, the exhibition that we had at uh, myself and another beautiful painter by the name of Willow King, who's also based here at Clare. Um, we're hoping that that exhibition will be rescheduled. It was um, put on hold due to COVID-19, but they're hoping to reschedule it in uh, November of this year. And there won't be an official opening, but everybody's more than welcome to come down and, and view the work. Okay, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it today. Thanks again to Kay for talking with me this week. I encourage you to check out her work. It really is something very special. Thanks to you for listening. And remember, please do subscribe to the podcast. And if you can, on Apple Podcast, write a review. It really does count and help spread the word about Ireland Creates. The artwork is by clairecreative.com and the theme music for Ireland Creates is by createschool.ie. In 2020, trust is the new currency, but in order for people to trust you and your brand, they need to know who you are. So that's why I love helping people share and craft their story. If you'd like to work with me or to suggest a guest for the podcast, the website's under construction. So for now, you can get in touch with me through my Instagram page at Ashling Makes Stories. Thanks again for listening. I look forward to speaking with you again next week.